holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. A little bit of a different one today because I'm recording straight after the uh, the Europa League game, Arsenal 4, Molde uh, 1. Um, and I can't record tomorrow morning because people are coming to insulate my attic and with me uh, to discuss the game uh, tonight is Andrew Allen. Hello, Andrew. Hello. I'm sad that we're not going to discuss your attic. I can if you want. You know what I found um, up there uh, among all the various bits and pieces? I found two boxes of CDs which have not been opened since I moved back from Spain to Ireland in 2006. Nice. Yeah. Any classics? Well, I only looked at the first layer of one of the boxes and it was, uh, it was all Radiohead. Yeah, you know, okay, computer and oh, yeah. whatever. Okay. Yeah, the other one was the Benz and what have you. But they haven't been touched in, <laughs> in fourteen years, and they've been sitting in my attic along with all my vinyl in the world, all the stuff I used to have when I was DJing. Um, that's I forgot how heavy vinyl records are. Yeah. I mean, once you layer on all of that card and top of the uh, the plastic, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you've got thousands of records as well. Well, yeah, there's quite a lot. Uh, for young people who don't know what records are, they're big uh, vinyl things about the size of a pizza, but you can play music on them when you put a needle on them. Sounds a bit weird, doesn't it, when you explain it like that? I'm just laughing at the idea of CDs being up there for 14 years. I mean, that's how much the world has changed since we beat United, isn't it? I mean, oh my God, yeah, that is true. That is true. What what kind of audio formats are we, are we going to be uh, using when we beat United again? Who knows? God, don't, don't. Right, let's not. Let's talk Europa League and Arsenal 4, Mulder 1. Um, what a strange game. It was a, an odd game, and I think I was saying this to you from the start, to see the Emirates completely empty. It's not like it's the first time that that's happened since the lockdown and everything else, and I realise you guys over there in the UK are going back into uh, another um, period of lockdown or heightened restrictions and whatever it is, so I hope everybody stays safe and well throughout this uh, period that's coming up for you. But it, it really hammered it home for me tonight. I'm not quite sure what it was. It, it, maybe it's the fact that for a game like this, you don't necessarily expect the Emirates to be full anyway. You're expecting these pockets of emptiness to be there, and for it to be all entirely empty was just a reminder of what a weird year this has been. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there was a slight eeriness. I don't know if you were able to see it, but by the end of the game, there was a kind of fog coming down, which has been hanging over London all day. And I was just kind of thinking this was like, this is a proper cold weather mm. game, you know, big jumper, big coat, chips before the game, you know, huddle inside at half time, that yeah. type of game. Um, I mean, in some respects, it's quite nice being at home in the warm watching it. But yeah, it's kind of, it's, 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 I mean, I said to you while we were talking during the game that it will be quite an emotional moment when we get to go back to the stadium. But at this point, I'm just parking all thought of that because it, it just seems so far away. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There must be part of you, though, that misses the idea of going just to a game that isn't that great in the Europa League against opposition that you're sort of expected to beat routinely. You make a bit of hard work of it. There's some frustrations and then you've got to, you know, do all the bits and pieces about getting home and everything else. You know, that part of the routine, even if it's a bit um, annoying, must still be something you miss. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, it's an opportunity to see f- friends and family. And I guess that's kind of more than anything, the thing that's really biting at the moment is just not having those kind of moments with mm. people, you know, whether it's 15 minutes in the pub before a game or, you know, the full 90 minutes sitting next to the folks or what have you. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it is weird, though, because as with everything in this over the course of the last seven months or so, you're starting to get used to it. Mm. And I, I kind of, you know, there doesn't seem to me anything strange about sitting down and watching football in front of an empty stadium that much these days. And I don't like it. I mean, I still feel like, I mean, I can't believe the sound is still so bad when they pipe in the kind of fake crowd noises. Like they haven't improved <laughs> that at all. Um, you know, I've seen far too much of Owen Hargreaves on television and Jake Humphreys for my liking. Um, you know, it's nice to be able to avoid that when you're at the stadium. Any amount of Jake Humphreys is too much for you. Oh, fucking hell. I mean, look, I'm, he's, yeah, a let's prof- he's a consummate professional. I'm not going to tell him off. Yeah, yeah he'll search you out and find you if his Twitter feed mm. is anything to go by. Anyway, l- let's not dwell on that. What did you make of this evening's team? Um, it was really quite experienced. When you look at it, that's kind of a team that, you know, certain sections of it anyway. Luis and Mustafi played a lot of games together towards the end of last season. Shaq and Sabias was our first choice midfield pick towards the end of last season. You know, um, a lot of experience in there. Willian, Pepe, you know, players who you, you would expect them to be playing in the, in the Premier League are lining up in the Europa League, which is perhaps an indication of um, maybe some of the transition that's happening in front of our eyes, it doesn't feel like things happen quickly uh, at this moment in time. But, but that's certainly striking in terms of what what kind of lineups we were putting out towards the end of last season. Yeah, it's interesting. Once you get a kind of a few players back fit, and you make a couple of signings, and you kind of have a win like you did against Manchester United, there's suddenly this look at this. You look around. And I was like, God, that is it. That is a very strong side. I mean, the one that really caught my eye was the fact that you put Leno back in goal. I mean, yeah. that's a, to me that this was I'm not taking any chances I want the three points I want to get to nine points I want to know that with the next game we can qualify um but does that sorry does that say something to you about Runerson I don't know I mean to be fair to the to the guy I mean against Dundalk he didn't do anything wrong at all I mean he Mm. made the one save he was asked to make he claimed a couple of uh, corners quite well his distribution was fine I saw nothing there that made me think he can't, you know, deal with Europa League level. Um, I think, judging by the team 
that Arteta obviously rated Mulder far higher than he did and does Dundalk. Mm. So maybe he was just wary of any kind of slip up. He knows the importance of maintaining momentum at this point. Um, and I guess because of that substitution rule in the Premier League, he's got so many players who are sort of chomping at the bit for a bit of game time that, you know, the days of handing out 15, 20 minutes to under 18 guys mm-hmm. is kind of passed, which is sad really, because when you think about it, and Ketia, um, uh, Willock and Saka in particular all got their f- sort of first minutes in the Europa League. And it's going to be really hard to find kids coming through the academy who get that chance this year. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of absentees. Reese Nelson was injured. Uh, Emile Smith-Rowe not considered fit enough, I guess, for a bench, which is big. I and mean, mm. we'd want 10, 11 players on the bench because you can use five substitutes. Um, so everybody's basically available. So there must be sort of a fitness issue with Smith-Rowe. Balagoon, uh, who, who featured last week, wasn't in the squad. So, um, yeah, the, there is an element, I think, of Arteta. Maybe not quite... Uh, I don't know if it's a trust issue, but certainly he plays it a bit safe in terms of his options. Kind of ironic in a way that Leno was pretty culpable, I think, for that uh, opening goal from Mulder. Yeah, I mean, it was... I think there was a bad pass by Mustafi back towards... I say bad pass. The pass made its uh, intended destination, which was Louise, but it, it was a kind of a bit of a risky one, kind of way back across his own goal. And then Louise played it, I think, back to Leno. And at that point, I think Leno thought, you know what, let's mm. just get this up the field. And he kind of didn't really think too much about it. I definitely don't think he expected the ball to be, you know, in the back of the net inside 10 seconds. So, yeah, I mean, he lumped it up towards Enketia, who, against their big defenders, never really had much of a chance in the air. Um, it was a very decent, quick pass to find, was it Ellingson, their winger? And, I mean, he took his goal really well. I mean, I don't, you know, could Leno have foreseen the shot a little bit earlier got Mm, down a bit quicker I I think so probably I think so I don't think he covered himself in glory on the the clearance or the the save to be honest I mean he looked he looked pretty pissed off afterwards yeah good um, yeah yeah yeah, exactly yeah um but yeah I mean uh, I guess at this point keeping Runison on the bench or Macy on the bench is an is an easy decision for Arteta to make because they don't really have any credit in the bank, as it were. Sure. Do you um, know? Do you worry at all that, like, if there is this, if if Runerson is not considered quite ready yet, let's say it like that, he's not considered quite ready yet for a game against Mulder in the Europa League because Arteta wants some sort of assurance in his side. Um, mm. You know, how do you balance? that versus the risk of your goalkeeper getting a knock or taking a clatter or or discovering the Norwegian Neil Mope and, you know, causing him some kind of injury, at which point then you have to play the guy that you didn't fancy for a game in the Europa League in much more important fixtures in the Premier League. It's kind of a difficult one, I guess. Yeah, but then, you know, Leno could you know, undergo a, a serious injury like he did against Mope at any point, you know, mm. he could easily keel over in a Premier League game and we'd have to put him in anyway. I mean, uh, it's one of those ones where so long as it doesn't happen, Arteta will get away with it and the question mm. won't really get asked and you can't kind of really pose it to him. Um, look, we have obviously taken a gamble this year and said, we'll only spend a couple of million quid on a backup goalkeeper off 
off the back of a recommendation from our keeper coach. We will trust in him. Mm. We hope it goes well and we will redirect those funds to a position which we think is far more important. And Mm. I guess time will tell whether that works out. I mean, you're desperate for it. And when you look at the way we've gone and spent the money, you're kind of like, okay, it looks like a good decision at this point. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting the pitchforks out just yet. No, no, no. I mean, I'm not talking about pitchforks. I just mean that that it is one of those uh, decisions that you know, if something does happen to Leno, uh, Leno in a Premier League game, everyone will, nobody will really complain about it. If it happens to him in a game like this, you know, you're you're taking a chance, I guess. But that's uh, mm. part and parcel of the job of manager. I think they have to do that. Uh, you know, in many respects um, with the de- the decisions that they make. Um, the first half in general, not particularly exciting or enthralling or, or promising really from an Arsenal perspective. I think when you, when you pick a team with Willian and Pepe in it, you're kind of looking for those two to to be the outlets, to to create for you, to make chances for you, to maybe be on the end of chances, to to sort of drive the game with their quality. And neither of them did that in the first half, it's fair to say. Yeah. I mean, Pepe's game tonight was very similar to last week, wasn't it? I mean, Mm. sort of laboured on the ball, kind of gets it stuck under his feet a few times, gets barged off it by kind of quite physical defenders, fails to get past his mat. All the things you'd imagine would be quite a natural thing for a, a guy of his qualities. Um, really, really poor first half, I thought. Um, he obviously thrives when games get a bit more stretched, when he's not faced with a bank of 10 defenders. Um, and, 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 and in that respect, like when you watch, you watch what he did in the second half... By getting a goal, and that's sort of—he's sort of like this cherry on top guy at the moment. Mm. Um, he sort of adds a flourish, but it takes him a few goes to get there. I mean, I'm, I, with with William, I'm just—I'm a bit—I'm not going to. Do I want to say he's, he's reminding me a bit of Mkhitaryan? He reminds me a bit of Mkhitaryan mm. in that he can have some games when you look at him and think, oh, God, this guy's a match winner. Like, he's, you know, doing everything you want him to do. He's sort of energetic. He makes good runs. He's got good end product. And then you sort of watch him in other games and he's just completely not there at all. Mm. And to be honest, tonight was a real nothing game from him, I thought. Absolutely, I mean, there was one yeah. nice, decent pass to Willock to tee up that cross in the second half that got fumbled by their keeper and... Klasnets blazed over, but that was very much the type of pass that he made to Bellerin Old Trafford. And I think you guys, uh, you and James talked about it on the the Arscast Extra mm. on Monday, that kind of like, he's sort of a, a connector player. But it it, it, see, it feels like in a game like this against this calibre of opposition, you'd be doing more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, if his best game for us came against Fulham on the opening day, which I think is uh, is the best he's played for since he arrived, then this is, could you say, similar calibre opposition? Worse? Better? I don't know. But, like, you know, there or thereabouts. The kind of game where he really should be doing more, I think. Um, I'm, you know, I said this to James on... Uh, on Monday in the Arscast Extra, I'm sort of worrying a bit about Willian. I, I just have this nagging doubt in my mind about what he is or what he can do or what we're expecting from him. Maybe what he does is what Mikel Arteta 
wants him to do. But, you know, it's difficult to look at him and, and be enthused. He looked a bit... He looked a bit to me like a player who kind of felt this game was beneath him, you know? This isn't <laughs> the kind of game he should be starting, you know? Uh, and I, I think... I think there's probably some correlation between the fact that Pepe improved when Willian went off. I know the introduction of Saka played a part in that as well. I think, you know, let's maybe look at it from the positive point of view that when Saka came on, he he really kind of changed the momentum and changed the energy and everything else. But I, I don't know if Willian and Saka can operate together, if you like. Yeah, I mean... Uh... I mean, I'm trying to think now how many times Saka and William have lined up in the team t- together and in mm. what instance they've played on the same flank. They haven't really, have they? Um, they tend to be split with Saka on the left and William more often than not on the right, although he has started floating a bit more in games. Um, I mean, you're right. I mean, when Saka came on, there was an immediate injection of sort of impetus. Like there was a sort of forward momentum and the time on the ball his decision making is more decisive you know his ability to pick out a pass or make a darting run there just seems a bit more kind of willingness to overlap as well I'm just not really seeing that with William at the moment because I don't know whether it was just me but I, I there was a bit of me expecting William to be the type of guy who when he collects the ball on the left he might cut into his right foot and then try and shoot mm. I can't even remember the last time I saw him try that I'm not mm. even sure if he has really in an Arsenal shirt um he scored quite a few goals for Chelsea last season. I know he took penalties and free kicks and stuff at times, um, or free kicks, not penalties. But um, you know, he's he's not scored yet for us. I'm, he's not had that many assists, has he, since the first game of the season? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. So really, you've got a guy who's. I mean, Arteta's spoken about it. He's sort of he said that he, Williams sort of better understanding what it is that we're trying to get out of him. Mm. But I, I, I kind of feel that it must be more than just sort of providing a body in a certain area of the pitch. Yeah, I mean, I think when, you, when you're an experienced player and you're playing in a team like that, I know it wasn't a team full of kids or anything like it. You know, you've got Pepe, you've got Shaka, you've got Ceballos, Mustafi, Luis, Kolasinac. You know, there's a lot of experienced players in that squad, and the young ones were basically Willock and Kedia and Maitland Niles. You know, they're your young outfield players. So this wasn't uh, the kind of game where, you know, he is uh, having to lead a group of kids or anything like it. Nevertheless, mm, mm. it just feels to me like there's an element of responsibility when you are a player of his experience to, you know, to do a bit more and show a bit more. And when other players come on, younger players, more experienced players, not necessarily even come on, but when players like Joe Willock, who we're going to talk about now in a second, you know, display the kind of energy and commitment that makes things happen. You know, Willian is... Mm completely aware of what does and doesn't make things happen on a football pitch. You know, he knows that, but he doesn't, for me anyway, so far, he doesn't do enough in that regard. He's certainly not um, built up any relationships on the pitch. I'm not seeing him dovetailing with another player consistently. Mm. And I'm not seeing him kind of, you know, you can tell sometimes when players start enjoying the company of another player on the pitch because they're constantly looking for each other. Um, I guess in that respect, maybe he suffered a little bit because he's quite often, he's been in this side, but mm. he had a little injury at one point, didn't he? But um, players around him have changed quite a lot as well. It's like, 
I'll go back to those automatisms that uh, Murtasaki used to always talk about from the Wenger era. Mm. It feels like he's not quite got onto the same wavelength as some of his new teammates, especially, you know, especially some of the younger ones as well, actually, I think. He's not quite there. But maybe it will come. Maybe I'm being too harsh on him. Um, but, yeah, there's that underlying kind of older playmaker on big wages mm. vibe that Mkhitaryan gave off. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, let's hope it improves because, um, yeah, that one didn't end as well as we might have liked. Um, okay. 2020, we've mentioned, is a, a strange year. The side of Granite Xhaka leading an Arsenal counterattack, <laughs> counterattack, <laughs> blazing down the pitch as fast as his, as his, like, horsey legs will carry him. Um, is a side I think that, you know, 2020 has produced for us. But to be fair, it contributed um, quite well to our uh, equaliser. You know, they had a corner, we broke, we moved it upfield pretty well. Um, The guy who, I don't know if you spotted this, but in the build-up to the goal or the finish, he pulled back Joe Willock. Um, to try and, you know, stop his momentum and in doing right. so got to the ball first and put the ball in his own net. So there was some kind of pleasing uh, karma going on there. Yeah, I mean, the Xhaka thing, it was one of those, like obviously having seen um, Demba Bar race through the United, <laughs> well, the, the uh, non-existent uh, United defence last night. The, is that the most hilarious goal you have seen in how long? How long? How does that happen? How does that happen to, like, a professional football team? Not just, like, a professional football team, because that could be, you know, League Two. How does that happen to a team like Manchester United? Unbelievable. I mean, I I found it hilarious all the way up to the point where it seems to have been the straw that broke the camel's back, and now it sounds like Manchester United (laughs) are going to go for Pochettino. Um so that's a bit disappointing. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's schoolboy defending. I mean, he was a good 10 yards inside his own half with no one else in front of him st- before we start off on the run. Standing but, there waving, like, come on, give me the ball. God oh my God. It was like, it's so funny. That was one of the best um, things that's happened this season so far. Oh dear. But I mean, to be, I don't know who was slower, Xhaka or Demba Bar, but I mean, Xhaka <laughs> definitely didn't look like he was going to make it much further than he did. He seemed very happy that someone was running on the outside of him by the time he got rid of the ball. Mm. Um, decent pass to Nketiah. Uh, I think Nketiah's pass took a slight nick that took it into the path of their defender, didn't it? Um, so that probably helped us. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, by that point, having already had a goal disallowed as well, which mm. pr- probably would have stood, I think, maybe. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what the rules are on that. Would have been a weird one, um, wouldn't it? Because Willock went for the ball, but Nketiah definitely put it in. Nketiah was not offside. This is two goals uh, ruled out for him tonight for other people being offside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it was... Um, I mean, the, the promising thing was actually the fact that we managed to... Um, you know, break from a corner with pace and and actually score. It's not a goal that we've done that much. I mean, we've scored a lot of goals building up slightly slower, but this one in particular kind of like it just it struck it struck me that it was sort of you know this is promising. You know, we can go from one end to the other end very very quickly if we need to. Um, and and it's it was Willock's running. You know, that ability to kind of say I want to be on the end of the ball, which is what forced the defender to to put the ball in his own net, really. Mm. And that is such a... That is something we're missing. 
I feel like he's such a he's such an Aaron Ramsey style late run into the box. Yeah. I want to score. I mean, you saw when he missed the chance just before he did score, how frustrated he was at not scoring. He just he just loves to score. And that love obviously drives him throughout the game to go sniffing for a goal. And that means running behind defenders, mm. trying to create things. I've just, I admire that so much because, you know, it's we. I always find it quite strange when you watch some players who always seem so determined to make the pass rather than just belt the ball in the back of the net themselves. Yeah. I know, you know, there is obvious qualities in players who have that, you know, unselfishness in their game. But... I just I love it when I see a bloke who just is desperate to score. Well, look, his movement I I think his movement is um uh, I think Arteta said this before the game that he has qualities that nobody else in the squad has in terms of what he brings from midfield that running from if not necessarily deep because he wasn't playing as a deep midfielder he was playing obviously ahead of Xhaka and and uh, Ceballos but the willingness to run the willingness to take a chance i think there was one one or two moments where he kept going passes didn't quite get to him there was one where he went on the stretch and the ball to him wasn't perfect but you know he was there to try and make it happen there was one where I think a ball just broke to him in the box somebody else miscontrolled it and you know the fact that he's there in these areas means that things happen you know things happen when you get Mm. players in those areas of the pitch particularly in the final third he created a chance or two there was one for Inkedia there was one for somebody else but just that willingness to bring players with him I mean I think if you even look at the the Pepe goal Willock makes a run which takes some defenders away as we move the ball uh, down the left-hand side and Saka's cross. And without the movement from Willock, that pass for Pepe to take the shot is not there. So, you know, there's a lot to be said for a guy who who literally just pulls defenders around. I know there's an element of discipline required when you're playing in midfield and you can't just sort of run around like a blue arse fly, but there is kind of, I'm not going to say method to the madness, but, but what he does is quite deliberate. And I think when a team sits deep and when a team like Arsenal with people like Shaka, like Ceballos, uh, like Willian, the way he was tonight, when there isn't that kind of penetration from the passing... It's got to come from something else. Mm. Well, the the big question for me now is 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 how in a in a in a first team setup in a you know this is our best eleven setup. Mm. Do you fit him in to what we have? Um, yeah, I know that we're still trying to figure out what our best is at the moment because you know we've just seen what Party can do and he's done it next to El Nenny. Will El Nenny be trusted on going to be the guy next to him? Um, that then leaves that sort of sort of almost a third position in midfield, I guess, mm-hmm. um, where he gave it to Ceballos a couple of weeks ago against Leicester and Ceballos looked a bit lost out there. And yeah. uh, against United, he gave it to Willian, who, you know, had a relatively effective game on the, on the you know, feeding Bellerin, I guess. But I don't, I don't know whether you could then give the same responsibility. I'm not sure how that role plays out if you give it to Willock. Yeah, I'm not sure he's, I'm not sure he's ready to start yet in in Premier League terms or 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 you know you, you don't sort of build your team around Joe Willock at 21 years of age but what I do think and what I think he's shown in the two games that he's played in the Europa League albeit 
you know, against opposition which um, isn't at the same quality as, as Premier League teams. We all know that. But what more can he do when he's given the chance than to do what he did tonight? You know, he was man of the match tonight by some distance for me. He was really, really good against Dundalk last week. You know, to have that kind of an option on the bench, I think, is is useful. You know, because there are going to be games where we're going to have to... You know, maybe Villa on Sunday might be one of those games where we have to break down a team that sits deep and looks to hit mm. us on the, the counter. When you think about the game against Villa at the end of last season, you know, how difficult was it to go to Villa Park? We got beaten. Uh, we couldn't break them down. We couldn't find the passes. We couldn't find the movement. To have a player like Willock on the bench for the last 20 minutes, if the game is that tight, seems like a bit of a no-brainer to me, given what he's shown us he can do. Yeah, I mean, abs- uh, I, for me, um, with, with the form that he's showing and the fact that this has been a consistent part of his game since he broke through into the team, the willingness to run from deep, and the fact that we have nobody else in the squad who has that quality, as as a unique member of the squad, for me, that entitles him to a place on the bench because mm. he definitely brings something different, you know, probably at the expense of a... A, a more established player, I would say, who is also fighting for a place on the bench. Um, I, w- I would, I would, I would one hundred percent because I think we're getting to a point now with him where we have to see whether he can do it in the Premier League. Because if he can't do it in the Premier League and he can only do it in the Europa League, then you know he himself and, and Arteta has to make a decision about what they think his future is going to be at the club. Mm. So you know they have to give him some chances in the Premier League to give him the chance to prove that he can actually cut it. Um, I guess Arteta at the moment is going through a I don't want to take too many risks stage. Yeah. Um, you know, he's trying to consolidate things. He's trying to build momentum. Um, you know, I think in in time, you with time on your... Well, when you, when you hold down a managerial position for longer, I think you probably build the courage to take more chances. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, Arteta by and large is re- relatively conservative. Um, you know, he has a plan before a game and he decides to stick where it Whereas, you know, someone like Wenger would quite happily just throw the plan up in the air if the game wasn't going the way he wanted it. And in 70 minutes, he'd just chuck on a few players and hope for the best. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think we'll see. It's a challenging one for Arteta, I think, the squad management this season. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, you know, the... The sort of argument that, look, he's doing it at Europa League level, therefore that sort of tells you he's a Europa League level player doesn't really stack up when you look at some of the performances that other people put in, you know, um, Mm. nominally more talented, certainly more experienced, costing us a lot more money. You know, if it's only Europa League for Joe Willock, what does that say about the other players, you know? So I, I think when you get a young player who played quite a bit last season and has been a little bit out in the cold this season in the, in the two games that he started, he's absolutely stood out. You know, it hasn't been a case of, oh, well, he played quite well. He played really well in those games. So I do hope he, he's he's given a chance because I think he deserves it, you know, on the basis of those two performances. And, you know, it is more difficult to make an impact at Premier League level. But, you know, if you're choosing uh, your, your bench for the Premier League games, um you know, I think you have to give him serious consideration. Um, I know we talked Pepe a little bit, but this was um, this was a strange game because his first half was poor. His second half was 
also kind of poor. And then Saka came on. He moved out to the right. He became more involved. I think he was less restricted. He ended the game with a goal and an assist. So there's this weird thing going on with this guy where he looks miles away from where we want him to be, but is still kind of producing stuff. The same way he did last week against Dundalk. He was not great, you know, but scored a world uh, a world-class goal with his right foot into the top corner. So, I mean, what do you think Arteta will have taken away from Pepe's performance tonight? Um, I don't think he'll have taken that much away, really. I think it was he's he's probably seen it all before, which is there's a player there who, when faced against a low block, is 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 struggling to th- to thrive. Mm. He can't really get his game going. As soon as the game loosens up a little bit. He's he he is capable of producing a, a deadly finish or getting on the end of um, balls and having attempts at goal. I know that um, you know tail end of last season, Arteta was basically labelled Pepe a potential match winner. He just needs to find the consistency. And at the moment, what we're seeing is still the same old flashes, right? He's he's doing just enough in each of these games to make you have the conversation where he wasn't terrible because he scored a goal and he's got an assist. Um, but he's also not done anything to convince you that mm. he is the answer to, you know, playing on the right-hand side for Arsenal um, or left-hand side, as he sort of sometimes floats to do. I, I, I really, I really want to like him. He seems like a really nice, humble kid. Um, I think the price tag hanging over him, no matter what anybody says, it's it's an issue of sorts because it automatically forces you to have the conversation about whether he's value for money. Mm. Um, and I, I can see that if you could just get him in, he's the type of player I could imagine that if you, if he finally got to the point where he was feeling confident, he could have like an amazing season, one season where he literally scores like loads of goals, gets loads of assists. And then he could, you know, I still think he's teetering on the edge. And if he had a, a couple of bad games, he could then fall off a cliff again with his confidence. And mm. he definitely seems like an arm around the shoulders kind of player. So that's probably why we keep seeing him, keep giving him opportunities. I think if you just started to leave him out completely, that would be detrimental at this point. I mean, do you think this is, you know, we're, we're 18 months more or less into his Arsenal career. I mean, is this kind of who he is? It's not who he was at Lille. But then Lille were set up in a very different way and and the way they play gave him an awful lot more freedom. And I think one of the things we talked about last season when he arrived first was the need to adapt to a a new kind of football. You know, that Arsenal under Unai Emery were not going to play the way that Lille played. Mm -hmm. So he had to come to a new country. He had to adapt. He had to adapt to a new style of football, a a team that wasn't necessarily built to get the best out of him, but in which he was still expected to produce a lot because he came with the price tag and he came with all the hype and all the expectation. And we are again in the same kind of situation uh, this season in that he is having to, and this is true of everybody else, of course, under Mikel Arteta, they're having to learn, they're having to play within this kind of structured environment. And it might just be a case that within that, his quality is such that he can produce things for you at moments. But if you're looking for him to be 
a 90-minute player, a guy who's going to take a game by the scruff of the neck, a guy who's going to uh, do all the exciting things from the first whistle to the last, that's not the case. Regardless yeah, of like whatever this- sort of position Arteta puts him in, you know, because he played him right, he played him on the left, you know, he, you know he's not going to be what we expect. So is it a question of sort of recalibration in terms of our own expectations and, and what we think we're going to get from him? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think he's had to sacrifice a little something to put the energy in to play the defensive side of the game that Arteta demands. Mm. I mean, I, I think at Leo, as you say, like there was no way that he was being asked to kind of track back, maintain shape, kind of, you know, play such a, a kind of rigid role, um, which is what he tends to play in the first half of games with Arsenal when, the, you know, everything's in front of him. Um, uh, I just, I, I, I don't know that we're ever going to get to a point where he maybe becomes, because I'm trying to think, like, what what for the money that we've spent and for the player that we thought we were getting would represent a successful season mm. for Nicola Pepe now? And, you know, in my mind, I think back to the types of players who held that position, you know, a, a Perez or a Lundberg, you know, someone mm. is going to get you 20 goals in a season, um, playing off the wing, bringing a level of creativity to the attack, which means assists as well. Basically, it means end product and it means end product in big games. And I'm, you know, I know that Perez struggled a little bit at the start, but you know that was six months or so, wasn't it? Mm. You know, we're eight, eighteen months in now, as you say, and by this point, both of those guys are really motoring at Arsenal. I know it's probably unfair to kind of even put him in the same bracket as them, but like in terms of an impact from a wide position, that's the benchmark, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if we get that far with Pepe, but then maybe the Arteta. You know, maybe Arteta would settle for a little bit less, so long as you've got a, a you know, a team player there, an attitude to play for the team, mm. uh, to bring the best out of some of the other teammates. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. I mean, tough one again. It is a tough one. I mean, it's it strikes me maybe that, you know, if I'm being really optimistic about him, it's that as yet. You know, Arteta hasn't really got the attack going on a consistent basis, right? I think we'd all accept that things have improved from a defensive point of view. We look more solid, et cetera, et cetera. But we're erratic or inconsistent um, when it comes to attack. You know, scoring four goals tonight was really very pleasing because we don't do that very often. I think we've scored four twice. We scored four against Newcastle and maybe four against Norwich. Um, after the lockdown. So, you know, we, we, we mm. struggle to really put teams to the sword, um, if you want to call it uh, that tonight. I'm not sure it's quite that. But, you know, maybe if we can sort things out from an attacking point of view, if we can be more effective, uh, more potent in the final third, he might find himself in more positions or more um, more effective. You know, if the overall team... You know, if, if for example... Um, people can talk about Mustafi as somebody who improved quite a lot under Arteta. And I'm saying this, you know, um, very guardedly, and I'm not saying we should give him a new deal or anything like that, but there were performances last season where he did really well for us. You know, after, uh, after the lockdown, he, he played quite well and nobody really quite expected that from him. You know, if the, uh, 
the same thing can kind of occur. And again, I don't want to say I'm comparing Mustafi to Pepe here, but you know, if Arteta can can sort out what's going on offensively, he could be somebody who could benefit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is that when you see the impact he can make, a goal and assist tonight, a goal last week, there is there is some end product there. You just have to. He has to work quite hard to get there um, himself. Mm. Now, I guess you know, playing devil's advocate, this for a player to continue to you know, because let's be honest, he had two half decent chances to to score before he did score. He really had the bit between his teeth for about ten minutes where he had the volley off the Kalasnach uh, cross, and then he had the the one where he connected. He Cedric had started a move, hadn't he? And he'd raced up the pitch, and then he tried his luck from slightly further out. Mm. You know, there there were moments there when you think, okay, yes. I can, I can see what he's trying to do, but yeah, oh, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't know whether that's something that Arteta can get the best out of you because with a defender, it's about, it's almost like concentration, isn't it? It's about understanding the game in front of you with an attacker, someone like him, it's, it's it feels more instinctive. And, um, if it's just not working for you, it's just not working for you. I don't know how you can really like, mm you know, bring the best out of yourself when you're, you're kind of in a bit of a rut like that. But Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it, it feels kind of like he doesn't feel the confidence of the manager and the manager, the manager doesn't have confidence in him. And that's a really difficult circle to square. Yeah. And I, the, the, the other thing that kind of in my head might be playing a part is, you know, some players thrive in front of a crowd or can take heart from a crowd's encouragement uh, I mean, others, obviously, there are obviously moments in games when you, you can go completely the other way. But I do sort of wonder with some of the players and some of the performances and, you know, and actually the way games play out. I think, mm. it's, you know, we're seeing a lot of first half games where Arsenal sort of plod along. There's no real tempo. It feels like they're waiting till it gets to a point with the game where it really, really matters before they try and do something. And playing in front of 60,000 people, you wouldn't get that because people would lose their shit after about five, ten minutes of things going slowly and they'd yeah, be yeah. crying you on to try something. And, you know, I, I feel like games are, are being affected by that a lack of kind of crowd encouragement and noise and, you know, just the general atmosphere. And, you know, I, I feel like Pepe would work better in a slightly fervent environment sometimes. Um just because I think oppositions would be kind of facing that as well. And I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I mean, he's, he's one of I'm those looking pla- for any reason sure. here to try and. No, I know what you're saying though, chance. but he is, he is one of those players who, um, to use the cliche, could get the crowd off their seats, you know, with a dribble, with something that he can do, which maybe is something he could, um, which is transmitted back to him from the crowd, which gives him confidence, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. It's an interesting thing. I mean, I guess it's one of the, it's completely unquantifiable, isn't it? You know, uh, we'll yeah, never know yeah. who has done better uh, without crowds or who is struggling without crowds, but it, it's certainly something which is having an impact, I think. I would love to see Pepe's stats for take-ons this season. Um, I'm sure they're out there somewhere. I've not mm. seen them, but there's something about a player of his quick feet and skill that 
it feels to me, I don't know whether I'm now coming at it from a, some kind of unconscious bias or something, but every time I look at him, I'm thinking, he's gonna, he's not going to get past his man here, is he? Mm. And then he seems to sort of not get past his man. And, you know, I, I, I just, maybe I expected him to be very, very good at that, taking on players. Um, and he's, he's, he's not really, or he's not doing it in an Arsenal shirt that often. No, I think where he's really quite good is around the box you know, around the edge of the box um, because he can drop the shoulder and he can make that shimmy, uh, shimmy and he can get a shot off mm. um, really quite well, which I think is uh, an area in which um, we see him being more effective against defenders than when he's out on the right-hand side and they're doubled up on him or he's got the ball in a tight area. And he's you can see him sometimes thinking, well, will I give it a go? Oof, chances are... You know, there's two of them or there's one, you know, I'm not going to do it. I'll play the pass. But if you get him into more central areas, I mean, look at where he played the, the pass for the um, for the assist for for mm, Joe Willock. Mm. You know, so uh, he is perhaps a bit more effective in central areas. Um, but then again, Mikel Arteta and what he wants from players in central areas and what he sees from Nicolas Pepe feels a bit um, worlds apart. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the boss is going to adapt his system to, mm. you know, focus the entire team around Pepe at this point, that's no. for sure. Okay, well, look, a 4-1 win. Um, we are top of the Europa League group and pretty much assured of qualification now for the uh, for the knockout stages. Um, I don't know who our next game is. What's our next game? Is it Mulder away? I think it's probably Mulder away. They tend to double yeah, up Yeah, the they middle, do that they? weird thing, don't they? Let me have a look here at the fixtures. So, yeah. It's Mulder away at the end of at the end of November after the um, after the interlull. Oh yeah. God, um, that seems like a crazy thing to me. Just seems crazy. A third one, a third one since the season started, mm. and each of them with extra games. I mean, and in this environment, yeah. Well, Touchwood, we've escaped. Mad. Yeah, Touchwood, we've escaped without anybody. Um, being uh, affected by COVID-19, uh, but where countries across Europe and obviously UK, Ireland and, and many other countries going into more strict lockdowns and restrictions, um, I don't know how sensible it is to send players away for all the games that they're going to be playing. So we'll keep fingers crossed uh, on that one. But we, we do have Villa on Sunday. So let's talk very quickly about Villa on Sunday uh, we're going to face, of course, our, our old friend Emmy Martinez, uh, who will be in goal for Villa, and uh, Jack Grealish, a player who has been uh, uh, difficult for us to deal with at times. So, you know, the, there was, I think, in many ways, the team selection tonight, pretty much everybody who played, uh, bar Willian from an outfield point of view, I guess, um, I guess probably won't be playing against Villa on Sunday, which is quite interesting. It's hard. It's hard. Well, it's hard. It's hard to tell, isn't it? Because mm. Arteta could look at Villa and then go, "You know what? I've got a unique game plan to nullify Grealish," or I'm, you know, particularly worried about. Mm. You know, is it Ollie Watkins up front or something? I mean, you know, Ross Barkley's another half decent player. Um, you know, Villa have built a, a half decent side, and it's possible that Arteta might 
treat the game as a, a one-off, you know, try and come up with something new. You do, I'm never... I, the thing is with him, it's, it's almost pointless me trying to second-guess what he's trying to do because mm. he's, he's he's so far... I mean, that's why he's a football manager and I sit at home in my pants writing, you know, match reports. Um, <laughs> you know, he's... Uh, He's he, he's an innovator, I think, and uh, I'll be curious to see. I mean, look, I think that you're going to say Leno in goal, Bellerin, mm-hmm. Gabriel, holding. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it will be holding above Louise, um, Tierney, Saka, mm. and then I just I I guess it really becomes a case of does he stick with El Nenny and Party? I mean, you'd be foolish not to off the back of yeah. brilliant double head. Uh, you know performance the other day um, yeah I guess Lacazette I mean as frustrating as Lacazette has been this season will likely start given that Nketiah has played 90 minutes but then at the same time El Nini played 90 minutes and then played 90 minutes against United so um, yeah you're probably right it probably does pick itself but um, so I mean what do you do with the right hand side do you play Willian or do you play Pepe I mean when you look at what the two players put in tonight against Mulder do you do you pick the guy who was perhaps a little more obviously? Um, I think in the first half, you know, Pepe struggled with some of his passing and some of his touches weren't great. Um, and William probably is the safe option, if you like. But in terms of what they can produce and what they could give you from an attacking perspective, you know, for me, I, I, I found Pepe difficult in the first half. I thought he was freed up a bit in the second half. Um, you know, still wasn't brilliant, mm-hmm. but he tried things and he tried to make things happen in that second half. And I think when he had the freedom to do it and he wasn't shunted over to the left because um, William had to play on the right, you know, I thought there was more from him. So I would be more inclined to go with, with Pepe, particularly as this is a, a home game. He's got a goal, he's got an assist. Yeah. You know, let's give him a... let's try and build that confidence we were talking about. I mean, I I think he'll go Willian and Bellerin, mm-hmm. but that's only because I think he liked the way that they played against United in that um, first half. Um, I, I, there's something that's just occurred to me tonight, and, and, and it kind of relates to Pepe, is, is actually how sloppy a game that Ainsley Maitland-Niles had. Did, um, I thought that too. I thought Maitland-Niles was sloppy or wasn't great, but then I looked at his stats... And they were perfectly fine in terms of his, in terms of what he did with the ball. You know, mm-hmm. I think he ended up with 90, 90 odd percent pass completion, ninety four percent pass completion. Blimey! Yeah, I mean, it was just there was something about. Yeah, I know the, what you mean. Yeah, his body language, the way he was playing, a couple of the decisions. I looked at him and I thought, this is this is like old Ainsley, like. Mm. not completely focused, doesn't seem to be quite at the races. But it's interesting you correct me on that and mm. say that the stats back up that he had a decent game. But at the same time, he did get hooked. So yeah, yeah. maybe Arteta saw something there that, that I saw. No, I, I, I agree with you. With my eyes, I looked at him and thought he didn't have a great game. When I looked at the stats, I thought, wow, that's a bit of a surprise. I mean, I'm looking at the stats now. And, you know, Pepe has uh as many shots on target as joe willock two shots on target four shots overall as many shots as joe willock as well four key passes uh he's got two dribbles so you know there is something there in terms of what he produced even if you know your eyes are telling you this was not like a a a convincing performance overall 
what he did um, sort of bears out or bears some scrutiny, you know? I, mm. I'd certainly I'd certainly prefer to see him ahead of Willian on on Sunday. Well, we don't have long to find out. No, Games are coming thick and fast at the moment. Sure are. Sure are. Okay, another one of those um, evening kickoffs, seven fifteen on a Sunday evening. So thank you very much for that. Uh, have I you, spo- uh, have, Go on. Just quickly, have you seen that there are, uh, it sounds like they're going to relent on the pay-per-view after the international break? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious as to what exactly that means. I mean, does that mean they're just not going to do the pay-per-view games? I think... Judging by what the Times said, I think they might put them all on for free now that the country's gone back into lockdown, up until Christmas at least. Right. I mean, because I don't think it's... um, For me, it wasn't necessarily the fact that some of the games were on pay-per-view. I mean, I I, I still think it's completely anachronistic that um, in 2020, your your subscription to Sky and BT doesn't give you all the games. I just don't know why we don't get all the games. I think that's a discussion that they're going to have to have at some point, you know, because you're so far behind every other country in the world. It's, it's always ridiculous to me that, you know, um, people all over the world can see every Premier League game live and the country in which the Premier League exists cannot do that. That's ridiculous to me. So it wasn't necessarily about the 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 fact that games were on pay-per-view, I can sort of understand that. It was the price point, you know, they didn't get... Yes. It was yeah. the price point they got completely wrong. Um, and I think, you know, credit has got to go to, to fans and to fan groups. The Arsenal Supporters Trust were obviously very um, heavily involved, but many other uh, fan groups and, and fans got together and sort of put their money where their mouth is in terms of, you know, we'll show you that we, we still have the money, but we're not going to spend it on this when you're ch- when you're trying to charge us. That amount of money, we'll give it to charity, we'll give it to good causes you know, I think there's something quite mm. heartwarming about the fact that that had an impact, clearly had an impact on the decision that, that that's been made. How it plays out, I mean, if, I think if they, you know, if they charge a fiver a game, that's livable with. Um, I hope it's not a case that they've said, well, we'll scrap pay-per-view. We're not going to do, we're not no, going to give I, you access to the games. I think that's the wrong thing. The, the thing that was wrong was the price. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, from a from a PR point of view, they obviously touched a nerve with the price point. And I think the only way now to come back from that is either a really dramatic price cut mm. or you put the games back on for free. I mean, the problem that they had really was that the games went on for free first and then they were fighting up against the fact that now they were asking people to pay for things that they, you know, briefly given them for free during the lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if it had come the other way round, I don't. If if games had just been said, well, we'll put the games on pay per view, and they'd priced it right the first time round, they probably would have ended up making more money over the course of this season or last season than this season. I guess they weren't looking that far ahead. No. Um, but yeah, look. I mean, either way, I'm not. I mean, I'll be bloody relieved not to 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 pay fifteen quid because last time I paid fifteen quid and gave fifteen quid to the Islington Food Bank, and that cost me thirty quid to watch us lose to Leicester. <laughs> Oh, well, look, at least half of that went on a good course. True, yeah. 
Well, look, we'll uh, we'll see what happens against Villa. We need to obviously follow up on that really good win against Manchester United last weekend with a home win because you know the Leicester game was was the big disappointment. I think after you know after the the results against Liverpool and Man City, you can compartmentalise those. The one against Leicester was the problem. So there's a level of expectation going into this game against Villa on Sunday. So fingers crossed we can do that. Um, Andrew, thank you very much indeed. Great to talk to you. My pleasure. Chat to you soon. Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. You can find Andrew on Twitter at AAllenSport, at AAllenSport, and of course doing all the stuff that he does on Arsblog News. Right, I'm going to call it quits here because uh, it's late on Thursday night. Uh, I'm going to get this podcast up on Thursday night as well for our Patreon members, patreon.com forward slash arsblog. I don't have the ability to do recordings and to add to this in the morning and do the end bit that we normally do on the Arsecast. So forgive me that there's no end bit on this particular episode, but there are going to be men clumping around uh, my office uh, is upstairs in the house and literally above me, of course, is the attic and they're going to be banging and drilling and putting in foam and all kinds of shit. So it'd just be too noisy to do anything. So for this week, there is no end bit on the Arsecast. As ever, I thank you uh, for listening. Thanks for being here. Myself and James will be here on Monday uh, talking about whatever happens on Sunday evening when Arsenal take on Aston Villa. Fingers crossed for a good win. Uh, in the meantime, uh, have yourselves a good one and we will catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. holiday season treat yourself treat yourself to candy celebrate the holiday season with the holiday crush they've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun packed challenges every week for five whole weeks finishing on january 4th the more challenges you complete the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards so are you ready to crush the holidays play the holiday crush now download it from the app store google play or windows store for free terms and conditions apply